Hello and welcome to episode five of Move Over Work. Yes, it's been a whole month since we last podcasted, Jackie. Can you believe that? I know, it's been a very exciting month and we've got lots to fill you in on listeners in today's podcast, but it certainly has whizzed by for us. Definitely. We've enjoyed all that hot and sunny weather and hope you have too. Yes, um, I just want to make a quick correction before we start today's podcast. Thankfully, it is not a technical apology this time, Woo! but it's um, to say that the book that I was speaking about in the last um, podcast which is called Not Working, it was not by Lisa Riley of Emmerdale fame, but by Lisa Owen. So if anybody's interested in reading that book, it's by Lisa Owen. I haven't purchased the book myself yet because um, I've only seen it in the airport and the prices are extortionate and I refuse to pay full price for a book anymore these days. Um, but yes, if you're interested, that was the, the real name of that author. Great. And so the first thing that we're going to be focusing on is a book called Flow by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And I mentioned it. It's pretty tricky. I um, did look again at the little YouTube clip of how to pronounce it this week (laughs) just to get that fresh in my memory again. Um, But I mentioned it in the last podcast and said, oh, you know, I want to go away and really read this properly because I feel like it's going to have quite a, mm. a big impact and it's definitely provoked quite a long discussion between us this evening pre-recording to, yeah. to talk through our ideas on this book. So it's published way back uh, in 1990, which is actually a very long time ago, despite not, the not fact... Not a decade ago that I always think. Yeah, <laughs> and I think for people who are in their 30s, they think the 90s wasn't very long ago, and it was. And obviously society and, and people's lives have changed greatly since then, but actually we still found this book really relevant and and really clued into what we've been talking about on yeah. our recent episodes. So Ash, can you just tell everyone what, what do we mean by flow, first of all? What is this concept that the book is based on? So it's the idea of being, it's called flow, the classic work on how to achieve happiness. And flow is the idea of being so engaged in something that you um, lose all sense of time and you feel really happy and fulfilled. And I think that whenever I, um, when you first mentioned the idea of flow in this book, that's what I had taken to mean by it, that um, flow was just being able to be so absorbed in something that you no longer have a sense of what time it is and time passing um, and I think that's probably come out of the research from this novel and that's probably that's come into sort of common parlance that you're in your flow whenever you are in, so engaged you're completely fulfilled by what you're doing. Just to clarify there, it is not a novel. Ash is just oh, slipping no. into English teacher in, into, into <laughs> English teacher. It is a non-fiction book, just in case That's anyone writes. Yeah, I didn't even realise. <laughs> just in case anyone, you know, emails next week saying this is not made up, it is a proper psychology book. It definitely no. is a proper psychology oh, proper. book. I think I wish it was a novel because I did not enjoy reading the bit that I've read so far because it is very like it's quite academic, um, not very academic, that's the wrong thing to say, it's still quite an easy read, but it's definitely like a lot of psychology, a lot of statistics, things that I'm not overly interested in, and it would be no shock for you to realise that I have not finished the book, <laughs> but I've, de- I've read enough um, for me and Jack to have some really good conversations about it, and Jackie's filled me in on the bits that I haven't caught up on yet, and I will, I will actually read it, because there's some really interesting um, things that we've learned from this, Jackie. Yeah, and I think a really big thing that we have learned is that we are right. Obviously. And, the, you know, we set up this this podcast on the premise that we felt that we were going a little bit mad mm-hmm. when we had free time that was not structured and yeah. that it made us feel very unnerved and unfulfilled and that we love it down sometimes yeah, as well. Yeah, and that we wanted to have more purpose. And so there's quite a few different key learnings that we really took away from, from this book. And and the first thing that um you wanted to bring up is this idea of solitude and that how in the book the the writer says about how dark the human mm. mind is and how chaotic it is and that when left to its own devices very quickly our minds can drift to quite sinister places when just yeah. left alone with our own thoughts, which I think that's something that we've both definitely yeah, experienced it's totally before. totally fair. I think as well, being teachers, that you have quite a lot of, when you get your um, midterms and the summer holidays, that can be quite lonely because not everyone else is off work. So you do have to fill the days with um, activities by yourself. And um, not necessarily all your friends are going to be off, or people, other people are going to be off as well. But that is definitely solitude being a direct route to insanity <laughs> for both of us. I think is fair. But then it, you know, something that that Chick sent behind was very keen to to talk about, and something that we had quite a big chat about this evening was about the idea of of being passive, and that when people have got this unstructured time, they can then fill it with quite passive activities such as watching TV, mm. and that that 
we do it not for entertainment purposes necessarily, but actually to avoid thinking about whatever thoughts were in our head. Yeah. And that, you know, there are times when you come home from work and you are mentally exhausted or whatever has been happening in your day and you do kind of want to zone out yeah. and just watch That's something. Or the capacity you have is just to not engage mm-hmm. with something at all. Whereas I think there's other times where you might come home from work, you make dinner and then you just turn on the TV just out of habit yeah and and not actually getting anything out of what you're watching you're not even watching anything that you particularly care about you're just watching it because you haven't planned or thought about what you really want to do with that time yeah it's like a habit or like nearly a distraction from having to like engage yourself in something else yeah and that you know long term that is not going to make you a happy and fulfilled person Mm. and I don't think that either of us would would say that we have huge addictions with TV watching. No. But I think there's definitely times when I am guilty of just turning on the TV and, and just having something on that yeah. I don't really care about yeah. rather than pushing myself to go and spend some time doing something that will ultimately make me feel much more fulfilled. Definitely. It's like that having something that just having some noise on in the background, but you're not actually involved in it at all, but you prefer to have that than to have the silence of your thoughts mm. as well. Um, and then you were saying as well, Jackie, that this links into smartphones. Yeah, absolutely. And because browsing. for now, you know, so often people will just go to Facebook, mm-hmm. what's going on on Instagram, mm-hmm. just flicking through apps to see on social media what's happening and doing it quite mindlessly. Yeah. Not looking for anything in particular, you know, and then half an hour later you find yourself looking at some random person's <laughs> holiday photos. <laughs> And you think, oh, that looks delightful. <laughs> oh, but who are these people in this photo? I don't know any of them. Exactly. And, mm. and then kind of questioning how you've got them in the first place. And I definitely think that I am guilty of that. And, and even things like I'm stood at the bus stop. Yeah. I'll just have a quick look on Facebook. Mm. Why? Because all the people in my life that I really need to be in touch with, I am in touch with. Yeah. And that it's just a time filler that stops me from then actually doing other things. And I don't think that Facebook is kind of the root of all evil and I definitely think it's, you know, social media's got its purposes. But I do think that reading about what Chick Sent Me High had to say about TV definitely made me reflect on kind of phone usage as well. Yeah, and it links into that. Because I came off uh, Facebook and Instagram at the start of this year and really weirdly, I haven't missed it at all. And you always think, oh, I'm going to miss out on everything that's happening. I'm not going to know what people are up to, what people are doing. But it definitely hasn't been that experience for me at all. I, and I don't miss checking it. And I don't have that sense sometimes of being like, oh, what could I, like, oh, if I would, normally I'd be checking my phone for Facebook at this time. It just hasn't sort of registered with me. And then it just shows you how of a mindless activity mm. it was that I was doing it, that it has not affected my life. Now, and I actually think genuinely, and I know a lot of people say as well, I genuinely do feel happier for not having mm-hmm. got involved with social media again and not going back on to Facebook because it wasn't fulfilling me in any meaningful way. Yeah, and I think about how often even that have kind of combined those two passive activities of TV watching and, and smartphone yeah. browsing where mm-hmm. I'm not that interested in what I'm watching. I'm not that interested mm-hmm. in what I'm flicking before my face. And yet I'm doing both of those things at once because I can't be bothered to think about what I really want to do yeah. or you know I, I don't know why that is but it's definitely made me aware of it and I'm definitely not gonna be giving up tv or ever looking on smartphones or anything but just valuing my time a little bit yeah. more there. well like I don't like ev- Facebook's got its place for everybody but the fact that I haven't missed it has sort of suggested me that I probably won't go back on again because it's not something I need in my life I fine if people other people mm. are into it that's fine although having said that my one concession is Pinterest and when you're getting like your hair cut, you know, you can just while away the hours on Pinterest. But that's a, a similar thing of just yeah. like scrolling through mindless screens. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, we realised this back in, in February when we first started talking about doing this podcast that we were filling our time with quite passive activities mm-hmm. where we weren't actually actively being engaged and that that was not giving us a sense of fulfilment and not alleviating the... Uh, direct route to insanity of <laughs> <Yeah>. solitude either. <laughs> the idea of like, they want to have a sense of passion about something and invest in mm. the, that if you want to have that sense of passion you need to invest the time and energy 
yeah. to that to be able to create that sense and and that idea of being really creative is something that comes up time and again in the yeah. book and, and Chick Set My Hair looks back to kind of ancient civilizations and what do we know about them and, and we know about their art and their music and, and their sculpture and their buildings mm-hmm. and that all of these are things that people create that people are actively involved in yeah and that they that they produce themselves and mm-hmm. that actually that things that create flow for us in those moments of completely losing ourselves are where you are actively involved in something often with other people as well and he does yeah. stress that about how those experiences with others are important but i think that to really get those flow moments you have to invest that time in something and that was something that we were discussing last week about should we have just one hobby or should we have lots of hobbies and and chicks and i just talk about that as well and and say that actually both is okay and that you know that idea of you might want to dabble in a few different things Mm -hmm. that you you really enjoy or you might want to just have one thing that you totally go for all the time I think for us, we're still kind of working out where we are on that. Yeah, and I think that's it. That's totally fair as well to be able to like find your passion. You do need to invest some time to see what it is that's actually getting you into that state of flow. And mm. once you've reached that state of flow, you'll know that you're there because it will be all of those things that you know that you won't notice the passage of time. You'll feel really happy. You'll feel fulfilled. Mm. Um, but I'm going to try this now. Mihai checks and Mihai. Is that right? No. Chick sent me. Oh, high. sorry. Chick sent me high. My Lovely. apologies. Um, what this his book, not novel. His book was not is not a guide of how to get flow, which is when I first read it, thought that it would be. I thought this was going to be like um, like kind of like self help, which makes me cringe in every single part of my body to say like self help books not not my thing. But anyway, um, but it wasn't a self. It's not a self help book. It doesn't give you instructions for how to get flow, but it's more about the psychology behind it. Yeah. And the research that he's done. And the lifelong principles. I think it's that. Yeah. Because actually, what he's saying is not rocket science. It, what he's saying is that you know to have a fulfilling life overall, that where you feel happy in the long term rather than just in those individual moments, is mm-hmm. that you need to have some overarching life goals. You need to have activities and interests. And that that's and that they need to be challenging and yeah. skillful, and that but that idea of challenge and skill comes up time and again mm-hmm. in terms of using your mind. That it's almost too powerful a tool that, if left yeah. to its own devices, is goes. not actually going to make you yeah. feel happy. Yeah, because it either goes to a very dark place or it will do what it can to avoid going to that dark place through mindless distraction activities yeah and one of the most interesting parts of flow was where they interviewed loads and loads of different people and they got them to fill in these little questionnaires when a little buzzer that was attached to them went off at various times in the day and they had to fill in some questions about how they were feeling at the this time and when they looked at the research and and the the data from Mm -hmm. all of these people and, and collated it all together was that when people were at work they reported much higher instances of flow and that they were actually really enjoying and challenged Mm. by what they were doing yet when they were at home they reported much lower instances of flow yet also said that they'd rather be at home than be at work Mm. so it's this weird paradox of how we perceive our work versus actually the reality of it and that number one I think which is quite good for us it's okay and it's not weird to really love, love your work yeah. and to feel really passionate and in the moment in your mm-hmm. in our work which i think is something that you know we've never tried to deny that we really love our jobs it was almost a slight guilt of loving them yeah. a bit too much yeah like, like sort of accepting that there's actually the chapter in the book which work as flow mm. and the idea that you your work could be your flow mm-hmm. and when you you have other things around your life that add more value to your life but the thing that's creating the most value for you potentially could be your work mm-hmm. and we chatted about this earlier um and i was saying that when we when we first started this we we started it because of the idea of we were going mad because we didn't have work to do and we felt very stressed about the work that we had to do but at the same time we needed that structure in our day i'm looking back at that and sort of readdressing what work meant it was particularly personally for me what work meant to me and losing the guilt of being able to really enjoy my job and being able to accept and be like you know what actually I am somebody 
I'm one of those weirdos that like really, really loves my job and really wants to invest that time and energy in my job and having done that, it's made everything so much better because perhaps for me, my work is my flow and everything else I do around that are my other activities I need to like to, to add purpose. What's adding the most purpose for me and the most flow for me is my work. Yeah, and I think that I definitely agree that it is such a passion and it is something that you know we really enjoy, but also that by recognising the importance of work, but also the importance to fill our lives with other meaningful mm-hmm. things has overall made for us to be happier yeah. people, which, you know, it's quite nice that we were doing the things that had been recommended in this book without I even know, having read this know. book. We didn't even is... have the science bit and we knew it. Yeah. You're so clever, Jackie. <laughs> um, but also, like, as well, the idea of the society's view of work mm. that is very much, like, work is a negative thing nobody wants to be at work you're much better off at home even though when people were at home they weren't actually doing yeah. something that was meaningful they were doing something often that was quite boring but they wanted to be at home because i think in our society it's very much fed in that work is something you have to do yeah therefore something that you have to do cannot mm. also be something that you want to do yeah which is kind of links back to the very first podcast when I was quite scathing about um, poor Steve Jobs um, and about how he was like, I, I hadn't sort of fully agreed with what he'd said because he'd been talking about your work is your passion, so to make sort of your hobby your work. Yeah. But now I can see a little bit more where he was coming from and it has sort of taken this time to like reflect on that and realise that, oh yeah, actually that what he said did make a lot of sense, but because my work is teaching, not... Like a hobby based thing mm. then I was like oh it can't my work can't have as much value because it's not it's not a hobby or it's not creative but it is creative but just in a different way yeah I've forgotten about that Steve Jobs quote actually <laughs> but that is so true that, that you know our opinions there have definitely changed which is really interesting and there was a really nice quote as well um about how we use our free time And this quote comes from C.K. Brightbill, and he wrote, The future will belong not only to the educated man, but to the man who is educated to use his leisure wisely. Mm, Clever. Yeah, and I just thought, actually, that's really true, that, you know, our leisure time is more meaningful when we are doing something more meaningful, that it is engaging and creative, and that you are not working towards because a hobby should it feel like work? Well, I suppose that depends on kind of societal constructs about work. But I think it's that actually it's okay for a hobby to be something that is really challenging and it's really stimulating you because that is what creates those moments of real engagement and loss of sense of self when you are totally in the moment. Yeah. Because your brain is really engaged in that as well. And because I still can't say his name. Chick sent me high. Chick sent me high. Um, what he says, the brain is such a powerful tool mm. that we need to be able to like uh, sort of control, not control it, but give it what it needs because it's so powerful on mm. its own that it needs some constructs to help sort of um, rein it in a little bit. Yeah, as I said before, because it goes to sort of very dark places or it just gets a bit like mundane for what you do and you don't get that sense of happiness and then that leads to like people getting more depressed and like it does actually explain a lot of like why there's probably been an increase in things like depression and mental health issues over the past say 20 odd years yeah i think that's a really interesting point actually that that because people do tend to spend more time alone as well and tend to be less actively involved in other yeah things outside of work for sure and maybe as well because that thing you like oh i give i like my brain's so active all day at work and I feel really tired and I feel really stressed when I come home that to actually do something that requires a higher level of brain power, you, your idea of that is that that will make you feel more tired when actually the reality probably is you'll be more energised by that. Not all of the time, but like generally. Like, yeah, because he talks a lot about how sport is something that provides so much flow. Mm-hmm. And we think of that as just a physical exertion and that people talk about how, you know, oh... I totally lose myself when I go mm-hmm. for a run or something. Yeah. But actually, a lot of sport does involve high levels of brain yeah. power and challenge and physical skill, yeah. but also mental skill. Because another really kind of big book in there in the world of self-help and hobbies and, 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 and work in general, I suppose, is one called Bounce. And about how to be really amazing at something, you have to put 10,000 hours in. Yeah. Now, you know, 
We've talked about some of the things that we've started doing. 10,000 hours when you're starting in your 30s. That's going to take us quite some time. And and we're not looking, I mean, that's to become, you know, the Pro. top of your game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're not perhaps looking to be the best at the things mm-hmm. that we're trying out. But it, it, what it for yourself. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to be the best at choir. <laughs> but it does it does also kind of support that idea of really having to practice and put yeah. time into yeah. things, and that you know if you really want to get the most out of something, then it doesn't just happen overnight, and that working yeah. hard. But it talks a lot about how actually so much of um, what you do in a sport is stamina and mental rather yeah. than it just being physical as well. Yeah, you don't you don't even realize you're doing those things. It's exactly. just, that's all part of the flow of it. Yeah, that you that you make active choices in what you do to make your life a bit more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But we did spot a little a few contradictions in this yeah. book, Jackie. Um, particularly, I think around the idea of reading, mm. because he refers to reading quite a bit. And and at one point early on, says that reading is one of the activities that's most commonly associated with flow. But at other points, refers to reading as being passive. passive. So we couldn't quite work out is this kind of reading fiction versus reading for knowledge acquisition or you know is one seen as superior to the other that's not really very clear so we weren't so sure on that because maybe it's because we're like we're really big readers and we get a lot from reading so it's maybe our own personal perspective on that as well that we we would see reading as I will I personally as well I think you'd be the same we see reading as a flow activity Mm. that is very because it's very enriching to us yeah but not everyone gets the same out of it and, it and it can just be a form of escapism the same as like TV if you don't engage fully yeah. with it you can read you could read a full book and not engage with it yeah the same as you could watch TV program and not have engaged with it I mean there's definitely been times when I've got to the to the bottom of a page in a book and thought I've got no idea oh hello the classics there. cannot <laughs> I always have to download a classic uh, when we're doing them for English onto an audiobook first so I can read along with the audiobook because I am not going to be able to pay attention to it yeah. at all because it's that and that's maybe that's where that comes from that's that for me is a passive activity because I can just read those words and they don't have any meaning for me at all mm. whereas when I read something that I enjoy I get so much more out of that and it becomes active in the way that you yeah. interact I suppose you're interacting your thoughts and ideas and shaping your opinions yeah. based on what you're reading and it's also it's whether you're reading something that's fiction or non-fiction as well I mean my mm-hmm. husband would very very rarely pick up a fiction book except when we go on holiday mm-hmm. but yet on a daily basis would spend as, as much time as he possibly can garner reading about news and sport yeah. and that you know that's a real passion for him and it, and Csikszentmihalyi does talk about that actually about how that also helps to keep the mind ordered the acquisition of knowledge yeah actually helps the, the the chaos of the brain because then when you are by yourself you are left alone with thoughts that have got so much more about yeah. them and yeah. that you can sink into a place of oh um, oh, I'm going to think back to that Tottenham Hotspurs game from yeah. 1987. That's it. Well, he talks a bit of reflection. That you can reflect on yeah, things a, from, from your yeah. past and, and, and knowledge that you've got, but also that it makes you a much more interesting person. Yeah. In it's terms like twofold. Of, yeah, yeah. The, the social situations that, that you are in, mm. your acquisition of knowledge then makes you just more interesting to other people because yeah. you have more to offer. Well, and when I said that, when I started, like, with one of the very first movable works was that I really want to get into reading the newspaper more often, and I've really kept that up, and I do that a lot more. And part of that, re- part of why I enjoyed that so much was why I had to contribute then when I was in social situations that I was like, mm. I know about this, and I, um, I have acquired some different knowledge I didn't have before, so I feel like I'm more able to participate in a higher level than I had been previously. Yeah. So I think I, I would so I can say in a higher level than I had been previously doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so maybe reading the newspaper was not <laughs> has not enriched me as much as I thought. We'll just say that out. Um so, but yeah, I think of it overall that for us we definitely see reading as something that is active and that is a flow creator. But mm. we can perhaps see where that passive element comes in, but it's not really made clear the distinction between the different forms of reading maybe yeah. in the book so clear. So it becomes a bit like confused about what is reading. Yeah. A good thing to do does he re- recommend it for flow? He doesn't really recommend anything for flow, but that's where it gets a bit confusing because well, you're like, well, is that flow activity, what he isn't does, it? But what he does say is that to, to achieve flow, it needs to be something that you are 
actively involved in. Yeah, and it's that, challenging that you your brain. Cre- yeah, it has to be challenging and skillful in some way. And that and you can is, reflect on it, wasn't that the other thing? So. Yeah, and that you, you, you're actively involved in it. So things to do with art, things to do with music, things to do with sport, things to do with, you know, something like baking, mm-hmm. where you are producing something. Yeah. So you're not just listening to a song, you are making that yeah. song. And that that idea is where you get the highest levels of interaction. Yeah. That provide you then with those those. I suppose that we've moments. said the things that we've enjoyed most are where you've achieved something by the end of mm. it, and that, that working towards a sense of achievement gives the purpose to the activity. And we find that from what we've done in our different movable work activities and movable works. Yeah, definitely. So I really enjoyed kind of the different elements of the book, and it's provided me with quite a bit of food yeah. for thought. And then he said, this is the interesting, thing that really interesting he said about reading to children. Yeah. how important that was. That was really interesting. Yeah, but at the end it talked about how children that had been read to were, were much more resilient in terms of dealing with situations yeah. because they could look subconsciously you know, you are fed all those stories mm. of, of kind of good overcoming evil and, and you know, bad brief things people. in the forest yeah. and, and, and everything turns out all right and that, that makes you better at them being able to deal with things yeah, as was, well. Yeah, and I think it reflects a lot of our current research as well and to do with the, how reading is so valuable and being read to as a child is so valuable as well. And so then he obviously does value reading quite highly. Yeah, and obviously for us as English teachers, that is exactly what we like <laughs> we to always, hear. We like. love a bit of that, love a bit of reading. Um, and the final thing to look at from this, Jackie, was that, again the idea of solitude um, and that nearly that when you have hobbies, they're a barrier to that. It's not even the solitude, but more the loneliness mm. and how that's led to combat the loneliness that um, you, cr- you have to create ways to get flow in your life so that you don't fall down those paths of like too many thoughts and you're getting a bit depressed and that's we were talking about this that he says in it it's um it's um, page 168 there jackie if you just want to flip flip it through um so he said about um why tv is being why tv is used as a buyer to loneliness. Yeah, he says the predictable plots, familiar characters, and even the redundant commercials provide a reassuring pattern of stimulation. The screen invites attention to itself as a manageable, restricted aspect of the environment. While interacting with television, the mind is protected from personal worries. The information passing across the screen keeps unpleasant concerns out of the mind. Of course, avoiding depression this way is rather spendthrift because one expends a great deal of attention without having much to show for it afterwards. Mm. And we, we were discussing this earlier about I can I can do like uh like half of a weekend on my own. And I do really like like I'm absolutely fine with my own company for a certain amount of time. And if I have a structured day by myself, that's fine. But the second day I will absolutely lose the will to live if I haven't had something to do with other people or being involved in a social situation, a social setting. Um and, and it totally T V does really feed into that because it's just a way of like distraction from what's going on and you can just flick something on and you don't have to think about it um but when I've ever had days where I'm like oh, I'm just gonna have I'm just sitting today I'm just gonna Netflix the whole day and by the end of it I'm just literally so unhappy and unfulfilled by it yeah and, I, and that just goes right back to to the research that he did with all those people who said that they wanted to have more leisure time but actually mm in that leisure time then reported feeling much sadder and weaker and and not actually enjoying themselves and that actually when we have that alone time it's about doing something that we then really enjoy rather than something that we can switch off to fill the time yeah but I suppose we do we have become much more selective about tv and what we watch in this generation because Mm. we do have like things that you don't have to like it doesn't have to be specific time where you sit down and watch specific programs you can watch on netflix you can watch and catch up because i like i don't like i watch a lot of tv but i don't actually watch a lot of tv it doesn't make you don't watch tv as it's on no i like i'll watch things and catch up and there's like three or four things that i watch every week on catch up but i'm very selective about what i do watch so everyone is that maybe different as well that you are input and I really enjoy those things and I do mm. get a lot out of them and they do they're maybe more challenging because it, it takes more high level of thought to engage I, with them house cards yeah if you <laughs> when you're watching house of cards you need to be concentrating otherwise you just go what's going on yeah and you were saying wallander which I can't watch because it's too highbrow for me and I can't follow it 
<laughs> it's too it's much too challenging yeah there's definitely mm. I think perhaps TV has, has developed somewhat since the since the early yeah, 90s yeah exactly he's running in the 90s they didn't have any good shows in the yeah 90s. but I, I suppose ultimately if all we were doing was watching TV would that be enough for us still in the long run perhaps maybe not no even if it was things that you did enjoy watching it still it's not ultimately just doing that and repeat because there's no challenge after a while but the choice element that we have with tv now that did not exist you know all that time ago definitely has changed people's relationship i think with it in terms of consuming what they want to consume what you're actively interested in rather than watching something because it's on yeah and they're just waiting for the next and the next thing to come on as well although i have spent many an evening watching when I say watching Netflix I mean like watching the choices of films that I have on Netflix and not being able to make a selection because it's just so overwhelming because there's so many things to watch and <laughs> um, so that's late and that's something that didn't exist in the 90s no. either um so yeah um oh god I cannot say his name I, you know what? I can't say it but I have to think about it so much maybe this is an engaging and challenging hobby for me to learn how to say this name chit no Chick no. sent me high. Chick sent me high. It's that S that throws me every time. Um, that he says that when you've developed uh, strong interests that are like, obviously not to do with passive activities, you'll be capable of dealing with being on your own much better because your mind is more active in a different way. And that led us to chat about um, personality types earlier on and about if you're more extrovert or if you're more introverted, but does that make a difference to you? Because I... I, I don't know, I, I like the balance of being on my own but being with other people, but I do get a lot of energy from being with other people. So I think probably that means that I'm more naturally an extrovert. But I know that like some friends of mine who are more introverted say that they can think of nothing better to recharge their batteries than to be by themselves for an entire weekend. And that just blows my mind because I'm like, how do you not go and see him at the end of that weekend when you've been by yourself? all the time yeah I, I think I'd, I'd go with you on that that I really enjoy a bit of alone time and I really enjoy having time to do activities by myself but mm. also sharing things and, and that's something that comes up in the book that activities are ultimately more enjoyable when you are sharing yeah. them with another person but we would like to hear from you listeners if you are someone who is really happy by themselves and, and thinking about how you fulfill yourself in your activities that you do then please do get in touch on twitter at moveoverwork or on the email at moveoverwork at gmail.com that's us really ironically jackie i didn't enjoy the book flow as a like properly until i'd spoken to you about it and then i did really enjoy it because it was like the engagement that we had talking about it actually was like oh no i actually did i did like it a lot more than i thought i did but in all honesty listeners wasn't sold on it completely it has some really nice points but as a as a text I did find it a little bit and I think that that's something that came up in quite a lot of the Amazon reviews actually that a lot of mm. people went to read it thinking it was going to be a self-help book and, and that's not yeah. what it ever set out to be it set no, out to no. be a psychology book but more accessible than your traditional academic text yeah definitely. And so it kind of falls between two stones I suppose in a way um and that, that that's perhaps where there is a bit less enjoyment from it if you're expecting it to be more kind of top tips rather Mm -hmm. than a general guide for life and that ultimately what he's saying isn't rocket science but a guiding principle of challenge yourself and do something don't sit on your bum yeah (laughs) I mean it's really reinforced exactly why we're doing this podcast and it's nice to be like oh this has actually been something that's been around for a long time yeah. Maybe it's taking us a bit longer to realise it, but we need to get on with, yeah, get off your backside, as you said. Um, but yeah, so I'll finish the book. There's a couple of interesting chapters as well about how work is your flow and about that solitude thing that mm. we need to read about further. But um, I had a, a recommendation from a listener called Alex, and she recommended another book, which I'm already more sold on because it's so cynical. I really like this the idea, the cynicism of this book. Um, it's called The Battersea Park Road to Enlightenment and it's by Isabel Losada and it's uh, basically about this woman who um, tries to like, enrich her life, tries to become a much better person. She tries to do like, lots of different things that promise to give you enlightenment and enrich you as a person but her tone reflects very much a lot of my own feelings about this kind of thing where it's like, Mm, yeah well I can see why you're doing that but it sounds a bit rubbish so um, yeah this, that's what I'm going to read next I'm going to give it to you first Jackie to read because you will be off for a little while yes because when we move on now I suppose to 
what we've been doing in the last month and what is coming up for us is that I have in fact just yesterday moved over work permanently. Not so, permanently forever. Well, just, uh, it feels, um, yeah, yeah, not forever. Yeah. But for Jackie next, has quit. <laughs> I've left my job, I've left the door behind. Um, but for the next six months, yeah. I have moved over work. And obviously for much of those six months, I will have mini green to, to be considering. But yes. I have several weeks potentially until he arrives. So I am due in one week. However, <laughs> as we know, these things don't go to plan. So psychologically, I'm telling myself I've got three weeks. And so any arrival before that then becomes a bonus. But that in itself is a little bit um, unnerving, I suppose. Yeah. And to have that free time stretching out in front. And I, I think it's definitely much less daunting now than had I been given it back in February Yeah. before we started on this project. Because... I think that that's true. I've definitely mm. got a lot more interest yeah. and I think also a lot better understanding from all this kind of psychology that we've Googled, found in yeah. various academic articles, and things that people Oprah have sent website. us. Uh, Oprah was very informative. <laughs> but I think actually yeah, I've got a greater understanding of, of what will help me to be a happier person. Yeah. Mm. And that also I think that mentally I'm in a much better place than I was several months yeah. ago in terms of understanding my own personal needs and desires and passions as well. Yeah. Um so yeah, potentially I have three weeks to to do whatever I like. Yeah. Because unlike in kind of I suppose I can't go on holiday, which is what I would often do. If you had this length of time. Yeah. Even the, the, the three weeks, so a potential three weeks before the baby comes. Exactly. Yeah, so you can't, you need to stay close. As I did come over to Jackie's tonight to record this podcast, and I've told her a few times, if her waters break, I'm going to freak out so badly. So I have everything crossed that doesn't happen right now. Please, please, just stay in there, little baby. Yeah. Um, until we finish this podcast. Um. So, but what have you been up to, Jackie, prior, in the past month? Leading up to your maternity leave. Well, as ever, I continue to, to go along to choir and we finished our big song of last mm. half term, which is a mix of Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Life, on Life on Mars and Space Oddity. Yep. And it was really hard and I practiced lots on my walks to school in the morning mm. and, and that made me feel, you know, the joys of life in itself <laughs> that I would just, on so many sunny summer mornings, walking along and singing and doing the same line again and again and again. And I'm definitely not perfect on that song because there's so many key changes. Oh my God, your bit was so difficult. I think that's why I like really like enjoyed choir when I was there. I'm like, because my bit is really easy and most of it is the tune. So I'm like, yeah, I can do this. It's so great. But no, when I heard them practicing your bit, I was like, I can't, I couldn't do that. Yeah, and I definitely used to go away and practice each section then many, many times over. Mm. And I, you know, I haven't mastered it yet. I've still got to keep practicing it, even though it's no longer our kind of lead key song yeah. at choir. But then this week at choir, we started singing a new song. We were singing a song called "Let It Go," not from Frozen, but by James Bay. Yeah, and I don't know what this song is. <laughs> I need to like Google it and check it out because I've literally never heard of it. Our, our so... popular culture is uh, not at the <laughs> forefront, everyone. Um, but it was actually great because I had the tune. And yeah, it's much better. When I was practicing on the way to school the next day, I felt a real sense of achievement of the fact that I sounded really quite good in my own mind. Um, you know, and, and when I say really quite good, I mean by my standards, not by the listener standards. (laughs) Not known Beyonce just yet. No, but I think because it was easier, but I still, you know, had a little practice and then felt even more confident than when I was singing it. So that was really nice. Mm. Um, And then we were talking today about there's there's the Clapham Common Fair next weekend, which our choir is singing at. Um, If I do not have a baby, (laughs) then I will also be hopefully making an appearance at that. And that will be quite nice to put choir to use. Yeah, I'm not as sold on the performance part of it just yet. And the the dance moves cringe me so badly still. But I need to get on board with that. And I think, yeah, what's the point of going to choir if you're not going to actually go and perform? I think probably we get a lot, a lot out of performing. But I, I don't know if I'm like ready, ready for that step yet. <laughs> it seems like a big step. <laughs> but so I don't know all of the songs yet. Probably. No, I don't know all of the songs either. But I so kind of figure it, maybe you can have the words at performance. These I things I need know. to clarify this week. I'll I'll sort this out. But if I can go and sing next week, I'll then come watch you. That would be great. <laughs> um, also, we talked in the last episode about Ash's bread making. We had our mm-hmm. live bread tasting. Oh, yeah, um, yeah little interview live mm-hmm. on there. And <laughs> since then, I have baked bread. I have done it twice. 
as we know, I like to perfect something several times over. Mm. I am yet to perfect my baking bread. Both times I have fallen into the same trap of adding too much water. Oh my God. That woman that said you can never add enough water. She's Lies. a liar. She's a Lies. liar. Because then it took, took me maybe 25 oh, minutes to knead it and to try and get it into some kind of shape <laughs> and also have to add loads more flour. Yeah, then you know, your weightings are all off then because you've added so much extra. Oh, God, I, know, I know. But then this time I did go a little bit rogue because I actually made pesto bread. Mm, and good. we had it with dinner tonight and mm-hmm. it was good. It was a little bit undercooked <laughs> in the middle. But the ends were good. But the top and the bottom were both crispy. <laughs> and so I think that my oven is just a little bit too hot hot mm. and I also wondered this because I followed a recipe that had um, that was really for a bread maker and it involved adding oh, yeah. some honey as well and which not only made the kneading <laughs> element much more <laughs> difficult with the sticky sticky, sticky. wet dough um, but also I wonder if that slightly made it inside a bit heavier as well maybe yeah, I'm not dense. sure mm. um, but I was pleased with my bread making so far and it's definitely it's something that you know ingredients wise I love because it doesn't know, require so very simple. many mm. and that actually even though it was a little doughy in the middle it still tasted great it was good yeah definitely and just you know a couple of tablespoons of pesto in there and hey presto mm, really good yeah. Um, so also on the last episode, I talked about how my hobby in that, in the interim between episode four and five needed to be getting the baby from breached yep. position, um, which has been a success. Yay. And he is now head down. However, uh, in the next week or so, I really need to focus on getting his head into my pelvis. <laughs> um, that sounds so fun. Yes, I know. Um, so last night I did actually uh, Google how to do this and there was a variety <laughs> of exercises. I can only so, imagine. So yeah, I had to get my husband to help me out with some of them where I had to pull my leg round and then apply <laughs> pressure here and there. And, and it, was, it also made me think why I'd never have a personal trainer because he had to oh. push against my thigh as I was leaning on my side and then I had to be moving my leg up and down he's going come on four more four more and in my head I'm thinking and I just thought yeah exactly Um, but you know if it gets the baby's head there that will that Mm. will be working a treat I'm recording this podcast right now sat on a yoga ball as apparently that will also help so that's probably going to be quite a big focus and also been reading this month's book club book um, which I'm I'm enjoying I was alarmed when I saw the character list which went on for several pages on my Kindle <laughs> um, but I've actually been relieved that as I've been reading it the character list was more off-putting than anything else because I've actually known who all the characters were and the significant ones are very clear and the insignificant ones yeah you don't yeah you don't need to know everybody's family relationship to yeah. everyone else I've loved our book club book this month I've actually bought the next book as well I'm already like I listen about through that. I'm so smug. I'm, I never usually never have finished the book club book. By the time we get to book club, that morning frantically trying to finish it. But this time I'm actually like, I'm actually onto the second one. But we so. are reading My Brilliant Friend by Eleanor Ferrante. Mm. So if you want to uh, join in with that, please do give yes, us our, your opinions on that one. Um, so I'll, I'll fill you in, Jack, and what I've been up to mm-hmm. over the past month. So again, also baking loads of bread. I've baked about like six loads of bread in the past. I know, I know, but all the same type of bread. But I just find it really nice. It's really relaxing. Although, as I said, um, I was baked a big bread yesterday. Not as I said, but just as a big bread yesterday, and. I had to run out of um, bread flour, the strong flour, and had to like just improvise with some just all purpose. Not the same. No, there's a reason why it's bread flour because <laughs> it doesn't work the same. Now you know. So not, I know, I know, I know not to do that ever again. So yeah, I've been really enjoying baking bread, and I want to like um, expand and make some pesto bread as well, and be some olive bread, and look at like all the different types of bread you can bake. Um, and although like now my um, writing of the great American novel that I had been advised to do on the last uh, my little quizzes um, I didn't think that first of all not being American is an immediate disadvantage to being able to write the great American novel and the fact that I've only ever been in America once for a summer holiday uh, to Florida and I didn't really think that um, my day in Disneyland where it rained and I had to buy a yellow poncho was gonna really crack it for the great American novel so but you know but I have been writing and I um just uh I just I started it last night but I've been thinking about it a lot and um so my I've said to read a book Jackie mm-hmm. obviously because that's what you just have to do um but um but what I thought I would do 
inspired by flow and how it lacked, giving me any ideas about how to get flow. I thought I'd write about my sort of experience of moving over work and what that looks like. Um, and just sort of what's going on in my life. It's kind of like, it's a bit bloggy, but I wouldn't put it up on a blog just yet because I'm not like, don't, I'm not really confident enough just yet to do that. But um, yes, my first chapter, if anyone is interested, is called Stop Eating My Effing hum- Hummus um, because that's just driving me mad. I'm living in a flat share at the minute and that's, um, it's one of my many gripes about living in a flat share. Um, and yes, yeah, so self-publishing is a massive at the minute. Mm. And I read an article the other day where a guy's made like an absolute fortune from self-publishing. Not that I think I'm going to make any sort of money from it. But eventually, if I finish this book about move of work, I might publish it. And then you guys can get to enjoy many chapters such as Stop Eating My Effing Hummus and all the other expletives that I will have <laughs> in that book that I am not willing to say on the podcast. But interestingly but, though, that's an activity that is very much something that you do by yourself, but mm. it's not mindless, it's not passive, it's active no. and that you can really lose yeah, yourself in that. Definitely. And I like even like a few years ago, I had a couple of ideas about different things to write, like writing like, so children's, uh, not children's, <laughs> writing children's books, but just writing, writing stuff for children. That's something that I'm really interested in. And I'd forgotten as well how much, same as with the bacon, I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed doing that. So um, I'll definitely be keeping that up. Um, I'll give you some updates whenever I get self-published online. I'll let you know. Um, you can download my Great American novel. Um, and um, also though I've been at home for midterm um, and that was really nice. Um, my mum's still running her head off doing 5Ks all over the shop and I have not still not rekindled my passion for my couch to 5k but it's on my long list my long to-do list of things to do but listeners you'll be glad to know my duke connector <laughs> has restored itself and is now fully functioning again who knew uh even though i broke my maybe because I, I broke the screen on my phone it restored the duke connector i don't know um but anyway that is up and running again so all good um and when i was at home i um, so I did some baking, um, but I also looked after my brother's puppy quite a lot of the time. And I was like, oh my God, he's so cute. What I kind of puppy is he? He's a cock spaniel. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's he's still quite young, so he's like really active. And that was really, um, really, really nice way to pass the time. It was a really, really nice thing to do, which inspired me to think about what I was going to do next when I come back to London. So I'm sure you're dying to hear, Jackie, of my what I'm going to be doing over the next can, few Can you weeks. just clarify for the reader, for the readers, for the <laughs> listeners about where you're going in the meantime? Where I'm going, which means, sorry. you said oh. when you come back to London. Oh, sorry. Oh, yes. So, oh, yes. So I'm in a bit of like a limbo position at the minute. So I am, we're finishing off the summer term and then I'm going to go back to Ireland for the summer holidays and then I'm going to come back to London again in September time. So at the minute I'm like, oh, I don't, like, I I feel like I would like to try some new things, but I don't want to commit to anything at the minute because it's sort of a funny time to do anything. And if it's financial commitment, I don't have to pay for something that I'm not going to do over the next few weeks. And also when you're off on some holidays, but well, I'll not even be in London, so I won't be able to participate in anything anyway. So my next sort of, um, my longer term project for move over work is sort of more research about things I could do and it, uh, any things I can get taster sessions for. Like we had our taster session for choir and we liked it so we signed up to that. But if I can do like some different classes that are happening, um, looking at things I've been talking about on previous podcasts that I haven't actually done anything more with. Um, so looking into that, I'm going to, um, so I signed up to Meetup last night and it's like, um, it's kind of like a, it's a website for lots of different groups that are happening in London. So you just say, create a profile, sign up to it, and then it gives you ideas and suggestions for groups that are around where you are. So like, there's a couple of hiking groups that I was really interested in. That are, they do like um, weekends and walks all different around London and weekends away and everything. And they're like, oh, please come if you're new and don't be feel like weird about if you're being by yourself. So they, they seem quite... Um, interesting and when you sign up it gives you like um, a list of dates and all the different activities so you select things that you like and they give you the dates and the activities that are going on so I thought that was really interesting so I'm going to try a few of those things over the next month and the other thing I'm going to do is sign up to borrow my doggy yeah! so it's like a website where you can like loan someone's dog or look after it for a little it's kind of like a babysitting service for dogs essentially but I think that that would be quite nice because I could ha- like hang out with the dog in London as well because I can't like I cannot have my own dog here much as I love that but when I'd need to like officially move over work <laughs> permanently if I was to get a dog here it just wouldn't be fair so if I yeah I could sign up for um uh borrow my doggy as well I think that'll be nice well I mean 
I think for me in the next few weeks, the <laughs> giving birth priority is going to be giving birth. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's perhaps going to be, I wouldn't call it a new hobby because it's just a one-off no. activity It's for also now. a bit demeaning to be like, oh, you're my hobby. <laughs> no, um, but I'm, I'm certainly not going to be going out and, no. and picking up anything new. But in the next three weeks, I'm looking forward to doing some baking. I mean, I think that Ash is going to have to come around and collect yeah, it and it. take it into work. I'm going to have to send it into work with my husband Jackie's because beaks. otherwise I am going to have grown exponentially <laughs> larger between now and giving birth, not through growth of child, but just through growth of brownie and bread and baking consumption. Um, so that will be quite important. And also cracking on with quiet, getting out and seeing adults in the next few yeah. weeks and enjoying lots of adult chat delicious food and socializing yeah Um, because it's kind of strange because you like you could like essentially any day now this baby could arrive so yeah you're a bit yeah so maybe by the next episode i mean i could have a baby or i might not still have a baby yeah and it's that weird thing of i know my life is about to change massively but i don't really know how and Mm. you know obviously in the last few months i've put quite a lot of effort into making life more fulfilling and and yeah i think just being a happier person i definitely yeah. you know it's that thing of i feel much much more positive about mm-hmm. everything really than i did several months ago but it's about how do i then get this massive change in my life what does that then look like yeah. and how does that then marry up with all the changes that, that you, I have yeah. made already in the next few months. So I think the next couple of episodes will be, Gonna be a little bit of a reflection on yeah. that. We'll see, we'll see how It'll things inter- go. But yeah, it's partly the reason that we started the podcast was that from that initial conversation we had, and you had said as well that it was because you were worried about like being at home with the baby, like not not worried about being at home with the baby, but but going mad because of like the, the lack the, of structure, the, yeah, and the, the work provided for you, yeah, and and then definitely readjusted that over the time that we've done this podcast as it is so you're definitely like in a much better position than you were when we had that chat where it was like I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't have work to have to fill my days because we've now sort of addressed that in a different way yeah I bet it's just a case of what does the reality of that look like yeah and and how well do those things merge and I suppose in the very early days probably not very well at all yeah but, but, I, but I think I haven't even reflected on it that you're so yeah. aware of that and that you're so aware that that was something that you wanted to address and not going that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not lose your mind. But I think that's very. It's really good to be able to have reflected on that as a starting point at all. Yeah. And yeah, but those first few weeks are probably going to be just. You probably really be like a whirlwind of, of just nappies and yeah, yeah, exactly, and just like such monumental change. But don't worry, I'll be here with like, loads of bread. <laughs> like I don't I know. I can make my own bread now, Ash. <laughs> yeah, not when you're breastfeeding. I'll be like, I'll get the bread. Don't you worry. I'll get that dough nice and wet. <laughs> exactly, brilliant. Then you'll have twenty minutes of kneading fun. So, folks, we will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Maybe there will be a mini green to join mm-hmm. us in the podcast. Maybe there won't. Yeah. But as ever, we hope that you are out there moving over work yes. and do keep in touch with however you are moving over work. Email us at moveoverwork at gmail.com or tweet us at moveoverworknow. It would be great to hear how Yeah, we'd love to hear how, how you're getting on with your move over works as well and how, what you're finding so inspirational at the minute. Take care and we'll see you in a few weeks. Bye. Bye.